language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a medical droid to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. Woo! All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank, the Star Wars Resistance Edition. I am in the garbage chute today doing this show, and I'm trying to wade through the trash and the snake-like aliens trying to make it into my buttocks. Hello, Dave. How are you doing today? Hello. How's it going, everyone? And you are acting as my buttock shield today. (laughs) Wait, they're going up my buttocks? Well, no, you're... Mm, I guess I can call you my official butt plug. Can, can I pay him with sandwiches? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I would like to print up a retraction on my my comment about you being my butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite embarrassing. All right. So today we're going to be discussing and breaking down Star Wars Resistance episode... Six, the children from Tahar, and the uh, stakes have risen in this episode, finally. It yes. took six episodes to get there, uh, technically only three hours, I mean, 30 minutes per episode. I mean, if you can call Star Wars fans anything, Impatient would definitely be <laughs> one of them. Yes. A lot of us are very much like Luke Skywalker and Anakin. We want everything right now. We want it now. Why can't I see Master Yoda now? Right, David? Exactly. That, that's the thing. It's kind of like if you take way too long, Star Wars fans start turning into, you know, like Jabba. Yeah. <laughs> they start turning into like Jabba's children and start making demands that are impossible. Yes. All right. So Star Wars Resistance, Episode 6, Children from Tahara. Tahara. The synopsis, Kaz searches for two missing children for a sizable reward only to discover the First Order is also hunting for them, written by Paul Gia Gia Copo and directed by Saul Reese. All right, so six episodes in, the story is starting to unfold. This is the most interesting episode of the season so far. Yes, this actually, it, this actually is one of my. This is probably the, my favorite episode they've done right now because it leads us somewhere. For sure, it's an episode obviously designed to serve as a foundation for what could be the actual main arc of the season, which is what we were kind of looking for for the past six episodes. We've been wondering, all right, well, what's the real story here? It can't simply be Kaz trying to become a pilot, trying to become an ace pilot and a spy and stumbling his way through success. That that's not a story arc. That's not a solid, well thought out story, but as uh, things turn as the heat is turned up in this episode, we we realize that, uh, well, hopefully we realize that the First Order is, in fact, at the center of everything. They're not just going to be a nuisance, but they are the story. It seems like that's exactly what the writers are doing. Uh, this episode also felt a lot like a Star Wars episode. 
You had mysterious children fleeing from essentially the dark side. It set up the right type of questions as well. And that's something we've been talking about a lot in our shows because I don't know what's going on with TV and movies nowadays. And they have just kind of bypassed the the standard writing practices of posing questions to get audiences intrigued. Instead, they fill up scenes with distraction. Yeah. And not a lot of meat. But this episode did pose some questions and set up a foundation that they are going to hopefully very soon allow us to start building more on top of that foundation. But it does seem that way. And although it's very lighthearted, I would say 99.9% of the episode felt right. The show feels like it might have found its legs. Yeah. Am I am I jumping the gun here or do you agree with that? No, I agree with that, especially give give a lot of credit to the director of this episode, Saul yeah. Ruiz, because uh, Saul was actually tied very heavily to to Star Wars up to this point. Yep. He's done a lot of directing in Star Wars Rebels. He's done Star Wars Resistance. He's been tied to a lot of other Star Wars uh, centric titles. Like uh, I believe The Force Awakens. He was part of the animation department there. Yep. And then in Clone Wars, he's one of the originals with uh, uh, Pablo and Filoni. So I think, I think it was a good sign that Saul took this role because just like what you said, he knows how a Star Wars story should feel. Yeah. And I think by doing that, it gave Resistance some something. Teeth. It, yes. it gave it some teeth for a change. That's a great way of putting it. I agree. Now, I stated that I like 99.9%. And some people might wonder, Dave, well, what's that 0.1%? <laughs> I wonder. And that was, of course, our lead, Kaz. But just... <laughs> <laughs> but despite us still not learning much about Kaz and his motivation as a character... They did use him appropriately. Well, I wouldn't say that because, like, this episode, we actually do get a little tidbit of his motivation. And what is that? Because I, I Be failed to see it. Because, remember, Doza actually asked him oh, during that scene where he tells, oh, you're a mercenary. Kaz basically says, no, I just want to do the right thing. Uh, that's not motivation. That's childish na naivete. But But it's expected out of that character at this point. Because he is. All right. Let's face it. Kaz is not not a shallow he's not a deep pool <laughs> dave i will give you that i'm not going to disagree i i did see that and i do see what you're saying but i don't know if that's proper motivation at this point at, at least it's something i'll, yeah, it's I'll give, something. You, give and, you that what i like what i like to see is like okay if this is like part of his personality that he wants to do the right thing yeah. then let this be the seed that we actually see that he starts growing up yeah because if he wants to do the right thing and we see it in this episode, especially when it's tied to trying to help these kids out. Agreed. And he sees that what the First Order is doing, that's his that that should be like his like motivation. Uh, his his this is this should be his point where his characterization comes out. Well, if they take that down the route they should, if that's in fact his motivation, as you are saying, that he just wants to do the right thing, if that's the, the source, if that's the seed, then they need to keep watering that. And hopefully yeah. that'll turn into something a little more mature and it's something a little more relatable. And and if you think because about it, does anybody do the right thing? I, I don't think anybody does the right. I mean, Dave, I, I don't think any of us want to be bad people, but I mean, is that really our motivation in life to well, the, be a good person? That's our sole motivation. I think the reason why I see that. And uh, when I saw that the, in this episode, it tied well with the other star Wars stories I've been reading. Mm hmm. 
at this point in the in the universe and the timeline, no one, a lot of people don't know about the war very very well about like the the battle between the empire and the rebellion because right. it was it was kept under lock and secret because like lock gotta, and key or lock and key sorry and then like <laughs> lock right. and secret I just Whatever. did a Tony but um, the the whole point of the generation at this point mm-hmm. is they have no idea what happened right because but, like, but what does that have to do with being a good person are we still on that one or? that should be that should actually be the whole point is like at this point at this point in the timeline people don't have any motivation they don't do the right thing are you trying to say point. that the war, the landscape right now within star wars is the political jaded. landscape the political it, landscape is jaded because even when people you read, don't necessarily know what to believe yeah you hear stories okay because i mean I, I can i can buy that when you read when you read the leia organa story mm-hmm. of how the politics around her all the politicians are jaded at this point they don't know who to believe oh. do they believe leia organa and and the and the rebellion or do they believe Listen, like, what happened in the old republic i will be i will be on princess leia's side as long as she uh, wears that slave leia outfit like come <laughs> on leia make it work make it work but i'm 60 now and i have a scratchy voice i don't give a fuck <laughs> i don't care <laughs> lay off the cigarettes and the drinking and uh... i know there's some force magic in there oh oh <laughs> So getting back to what we were what we were trying to guide this direction of the show down, um, even though that I only enjoyed about 0.1 percent or I disliked 0.1 percent of this episode and that being Kaz, I do see what they were doing with him this week. And at least he had purpose, whether or not I don't necessarily I'm not 100 percent sold on the motivation aspect, Dave, although I respect that thought. I see uh, the reasoning behind it, but I can see that. They used him to drive this episode forward, which is which is also a good way to use your lead. He was our eyes in this world as we walked on the groundwork that was being laid out. And we gained a sense of what the First Order has been up to. Up to this point, because that's something that, again, that's the biggest mystery around this time period. We don't know anything about the First Order. So to be able to walk in Kaz's shoes this episode and. As he's stumbling through with his buffoonery and dumb antics, we also are learning about this world. And that I do appreciate and I like what they did there. Yes. And what exactly is the First Order up to? Well, all the details are still, I mean, are unclear, but at least we've got the beginnings of something interesting, especially by name dropping Kylo Ren. Yes. I got a little giddy. I got a little giddy, too, because I honestly, Dave, because of the direction the show was going, I honestly didn't see them doing that. I know we had our our expectations before the show started and we we went through all of those like we want to see Phasma finally be a badass. We want to see Kylo Ren. We want to see Snoke. We had all the, the demanding baby, our baby demands as Star Wars babies. And uh, I didn't think we were actually going to get it. And I was uh, pleasantly surprised that we had that name and its connection to general leia yes and the way they did it this week so that's exciting and now my expectations have risen just a bit about the overall story and all of this was made possible by the introduction of a pair of young siblings kel and elia i believe is how they pronounce her name elia yes. elia who were running from the first order 
Now, presumably, they present some type of threat to the First Order, but more interesting is where these kids are from, Dave. Tahara? Tahara? Is it Tahara or Tahara? I think it's Tahara. Tahara? Tahara. Tahara is within the unknown regions. Now, why is this cool? Why is this important? This is an area that Lucasfilm has been developing since the Disney buyout. And it's been a source of mystery and intrigue for various stories. And if you can pinpoint one portion of the galaxy where the comic books, the books, mostly them, as well as Force Awakens, Snoke is from, and as we find out, the First Order, because they never even stated this in the movies, where the First Order's from. And the books they have, even in video games, Battlefront 2, during the campaign mode, they talk about the unknown regions. Yes. And we get the idea that the foreshadowing or they foreshadowed the the rise of the of the first order in Battlefront 2. So now we actually have concrete statement saying, "Hey, the unknown regions is where the first order is." building up their resources and becoming a a militant operation that's the most exciting part about this entire episode dave because all we've heard in 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 the thrawn books in battlefront 2 unknown regions unknown regions there has been so much speculation that that's where ezra went along with thrawn where are they at are they in the unknown regions so immediately my mind was spinning with the potential was I the only one, Dave, or were you also a little bit giddy about that unknown region? No, I was giddy too because, like the, the really the untapped potential in Star Wars is that that region because it's always been mentioned in the in the past and even in the extended universe. That's where uh, the one I uh, I'm spacing out on that one evil alien race that came came from there during the books. And I can't remember what they were. They were almost like the the answer to mm-hmm. Star Wars having orcs. And, That's right. Yeah. Um, that race came from the unknown region. Yeah. I really like that they created or using or they are choosing to use an area that's completely shrouded in mystery. We have no idea what's out there. And that's the coolest part about that is that we have that deep connection that this is our first official deep connection to the ever-expanding world of Star Wars, and it's directly tied into the mystery of Snoke, Kylo Ren, and the First Order. And if the show is, in fact, going that route, that this is what they're going to do here, that they're going to actually flesh all of that out and explain the unknown region, I am fucking 100% on board, despite that 0.1% that I absolutely hate about this show. <laughs> I will I will ignore Kaz and see the world that's unfolding. Yeah. The definitely the world building that's happening right now, it that's what this episode really, really did well was world building. Yes. Because for me, when they name dropped, there are two things about that scene that really made me giddy. Number one, they didn't say it was the first order. If you notice, they said it's Kylo Ren's army. That they didn't mention first order. Yeah. They just said it was Kylo Ren's army. And then that made me think of okay. Why would they not refer refer to Kylo Ren's army as the First Order unless Kylo Ren is on his own mission? Right. And then we all we all it it made me remember back in Force Awakens. What is Kylo Ren doing? Mm -hmm. He's trying to find Luke Skywalker. He wants to kill Luke. So the fact that 
his name got dropped made me think, oh, okay, this is going this is gonna connect to the whole very beginning of uh, Force Awakens where we see, you know, like uh Laura Santica and the followers of the Force. Yes. If that's where they're going, Dave, then then I the I'm show all might the show might survive. Yeah. If this is what they're doing. Now just to give a little bit more coherent background on the unknown regions, I'm going right to the wiki here. Now, the Unknown Regions, also referred to as Unknown Space and the Unknown Territories, was a region of the galaxy located in the Galactic West beyond the Outer Rim. Largely unexplored throughout galactic history, it remained a mystery to space travelers and served as a source of tales and wonders. At the time of the Galactic Civil War, the Unknown Regions was regarded as an unexplored region that was separated from the galaxy by a labyrinth of solar storms, rogue uh, magnetospheres, black holes, gravity wells, and things far stranger. We also had connections to the Chiz, the Chiz people, which is Thrawn. That's Thrawn. That's where his people are from, correct? Yes. The Elam system. So there's a, there's a lot going on. And the first appearances, or all the appearances we had, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Catalyst, a Rogue One novel, Star Wars The Clone Wars had its first appearance in The Gathering. That was the name of the episode, and it appeared in a flashback in an episode titled A Test of Strength. The Gathering is the sixth episode of the Star Wars The Clone Wars television series fifth season. Ahsoka escorts a group of younglings to Elam where they will learn from Yoda and undergo a crucial rite of passage, the construction of their lightsabers. Okay, you know what? I do remember this. I remember this. this one. This is when she was she uh she had to take all those padawans to and it was they did like a series of episodes on it. Yeah, I remember that. And actually now that is uh that is why that name sounds familiar, Elam, because that's where they went and received their kyber crystals kyber and crystals. then constructed constructed their lightsabers. The cool thing too that I actually just read about this is like But even, that's a, that's a Filoni thing. Yeah. But even like in the Force Awakens is tied to this because Octo where Luke is essentially found is in the unknown region. Yeah. And the, and they never said that in the movie. Why are they not why are they not I blame that on the you know who. <laughs> I don't understand why they're not using that terminology, especially since it goes back to the Clone Wars, which is late 2000s. Why are they not using that? Well, you got to remember that basically J.J. was using it. It's ultimately. He was using it, but he never stated what it was. Yeah. Whether or not he had planned to actually explore that aspect. I mean, I, that's something we may never know. But I am hoping that in this final movie, they will explore that. And maybe that's perhaps. Perhaps that's the reason why the writers of Resistance are building up to that. Perhaps yeah. they will they will build on some of the very loose groundwork that was set out in Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, and hopefully they will really build on that once Episode Nine comes out. So it's an interesting aspect of Star Wars. It's an area that just wasn't explored. We've explored the Outer Rim, the Inner Rim, the core systems so much. So I'm super excited to see what happens here and what they do with it and why these two kids are important because these kids are from the unknown regions. Why are they so important? Why is Kylo Ren so 
intent on capturing them and, and not just capturing them, wanting them dead and wanting slaughtering dead. genocide, the entire the entire civilization. And the, the thing that I like too, story wise, it it suddenly made sense why the First Order is shrouded in so much mystery, because all of the remaining from the sound of it, all of the remaining empires army from the the defeat at, at Endor went into the outer rim, retreated there to gain to to kind of rebuild. And the rebellion just didn't follow them. Right. Because like the unknown region was so dangerous. It was like there was a th- it was unknown. It was it was it was just unknown, but it was also too dangerous to actually follow someone in there because you might get lost. And you might incur more losses than you than you really want. Yeah. So it when they did that, when they that entire scene, when they did that name drop, it kind of brought everything together for the overall didn't it, story. Didn't it? It was very consistent. It, it was, was very cohesive consistent. with was everything we've read in books, comic books, video games, the movies. It was such a great moment to see that actually come about in a show that I have not been 100% on board. And it, and it also, for me, when, afterwards, when I actually saw a lot of people's reactions to it, the one excitement that everyone had was the same thing. The second part was actually the symbol that they yeah. kept showing. Well, and and that's some interesting questions they're they're posing for the audience because yeah. suddenly, by by way of one story and one group of characters, they managed to then create motivation for a character that we were for the most part don't really know much about except from last week's episode. And this is a great way to start nudging Doza's storyline and yes. it makes it suddenly a lot more interesting than simply hey I'm in charge of the platform here and I'm the deciding factor between the first order and the resistance suddenly they give this guy something relevant to do and he again it strengthens his arc the archetype of the wild card because yes. he's he's in that wild card position he's the one that will probably end up deciding the fate of that platform whether it, he's going to join the resistance or the first order yeah. So I have to say, Doza is very interesting, and his intentions are ambiguous, and I really like that. But they've been using it really well. I mean, I like that scene where Doza first sees the symbol, and you could tell as a character he knows what it is. Does he know it, or does he think he? He knows? thinks he knows. Yeah. And like when I started piecing it together, my idea because everyone's wondering what the symbol means. And I was like, I thought about what it. What are your thoughts on that? What are I your theories? About, it's a symbol of the force. It's it's basically the church, the symbol of like the followers of the force. Because the, you the gotta you gotta understand Laura Santeca. Yeah. Because you gotta understand mm. that basically at this point, it was that that scene in Force Awakens when Han Solo looks at Finn and Ray and tells them everything that you know about the force about Luke Skywalker. It's true. Mm. It's not a myth. You know what? I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. I didn't agree with you necessarily about the Kaz's motivation, but this actually makes sense, Dave. This makes I, complete sense when I actually thought about it. I had not really dwelled on it much. I just figured, all right, we'll, we'll learn about it. Obviously, it's, there's some significance and importance to that symbol. Obviously, they drew a lot of attention to it. But, Dave, if they, if they end up doing that, connecting the people the kids from wild space from unexplored regions if they actually connect them 
to the Temple of the Force. Is that what it's called? Yes. Or the Church of the Force. The or Church of the, the Force? The Followers of the Force, sorry. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. You, you keep talking for a second. But, like, the, the reason why, and the reason why this was actually a really cool moment was because it actually, for me, it showed that it's true that basically in the in the core galaxy, in the core universes, no one believes in the Force. Okay, yes, you're right. The Church of the Force yeah. is what Lor Santeca was. Now, if people don't remember Lor Santeca, Dave, we should probably explain who he was because yeah. he had a... He had a very, I don't know, the character was uh, built up before Force Awakens came out as, oh, this guy is going to be the new whatever, like the new Obi-Wan of yeah. sorts. And he ended up dying within the opening minutes of Force Awakens. He's the gentleman that had the portion of the map that showed where Luke Skywalker was, was at. And Kylo Ren slayed him with a saber and said, I know you. I know where you're from. You were born of the Force and of the light. And then Kylo Ren kills him. Kills him. Now, we don't know much about him at all. We know his name. We don't know his connection, his importance. But through canon compliant books that have come out since then, they have explained who he is. And he's a member of the Church of the Force. And uh, they're not Jedi. They're not necessarily Force sensitive, I guess, is a word we can use. Yeah. Even though that word doesn't really apply as much with the with the new era of Star Wars. Because they've kind of restructured the definition of the force and what it does. But uh, but we don't really know much about that. But when they explained who he was and you, and you read the bio on StarWars.com about who he is, you, you get a little frustrated because you're reading Church of the Force. You're like, oh, my God, that's cool. Why didn't they explore that? Yes. But Dave. That's a good uh, good speculation on your part, and well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that bandwagon because if they can find a way to connect that to this show and the kids and that symbol, it would make perfect sense. Well, because if you think about it, look at look at everything, piece everything that they've given us in Star Wars so far. They've introduced the fact that the force is the way the force is seen in the universe is almost very religious. Oh, yeah. You don't have to actually you don't have to actually have powers in the force or be a Jedi Knight or be a Sith Lord. You just have to believe in it. No, it's a, it's it's going back to Lucas's original concept in New Hope. If you remember, everybody, it was all about may the force be with may you. the force be with you. It was not necessarily a thing exclusive to the Jedi or people that could actually tap into the powers of the force. But it was an idea. It was a symbol of of a higher power of hope. So now that they're kind of bringing that back and refocusing it, now that we're done with the prequel era, that was pretty much all Jedi is what the story was focused on. Now yeah. we're focusing on a lot of characters that are more diverse. They're not just force, you know, jet force sensitive characters or characters that can tap into the force. And they're turning it back to what it originally was. Yeah. And the, the idea of the church of the force is right in sync with that. All right, we need to move really fast to our next segment. But first, become a Rainman Digital Patreon subscriber and gain access to additional Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions each and every single month from comic books, novels, additional topics that we couldn't get to in our regular show. You name it, we do it every single month. Unfortunately, we can't just give out tons of free content. We have to provide some type of 
revenue for us in order to keep the lights on in the studio and be able to do these shows every single week. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month and gain access to more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions. All right, Dave, another moment that worked for me in this episode is the mention of the Jedi. Of course, Kylo Ren as well, and lightsabers. They called them laser swords. Laser swords. What is this new thing? Laser swords. Why are we calling them laser swords now? No, no, no. That's understandable because you got to remember, the entire universe doesn't know. It's all mythical to them. Yeah, but okay, if it's mythical, you still know. It's like, it's okay, Dave. Let me give you an example. I don't know. Maybe this is me just being a little bitch. I don't know. But I feel like it's a little silly that Luke calls it a laser sword in, in The Last Jedi. And I know he was being sarcastic, but we've seen it now in the comic books and the book. It's a lightsaber. But if you think about, though, no, I will not think one, about it, David. Ones, no, <laughs> the only ones that refer to it as a lightsaber are the people that actually use it like Jedi's and Sith Lords and every everybody no, else. The kids called it a, a laser sword. The kids in this week's episode. Well, yeah, because they're they're not. Jedi don't justify it. They're not Jedi's. So you're okay they're, with with them calling it laser sword? Laser absolutely. Swords. It just, because it makes sense. Because no, like, it doesn't. To me, historically, you, you don't suddenly forget what a lightsaber is after seventy years, eighty years, or a hundred years. Do you get what I'm saying? I, I understand your point. But it's it's like suddenly we we quit using guns. Let's say you know the the the, the far the far left leaning individuals finally had their way and they remove guns from everybody. And in a hundred years, we suddenly forget the name gun and we call it the thing that shoots little bullets. It's stupid. It's childish. My my point is, is basically a lightsaber can be called many things because just like what you said, a gun, right? Well, there's other names for a gun. There's pistols. There's oh, sidearms. Now you're splitting hairs. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm just probably being a little nitpicking. Biah, so. Well, the funny part is me too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm not necessarily one of those fans that need everything in Star Wars to be exclusively about the Jedi, but the force and the mysteries of the force is Star Wars. Yeah. This got me excited. This episode got me excited for that aspect of Star Wars. Well, because the force binds everything as we know and everyone together. So having a story absent of these elements completely seems a bit insincere to Star Wars. So the mention of it worked for me in a, in a big way to accepting the show and liking it because I feel like they're being more sincere to the countless years of Star Wars. Now, speaking of consistency, I also like the engineers of the Colossus. Oh, they were really cool. I liked actually the the fact that we got to see how the Colossus starts working. It's not just about the top platform. It's about the whole platform. Yes, it was cool to see the inner workings of the platform. But even more than that, Dave, the amphibious indigenous species of Castellon, I believe is the name of the planet. What is it? The the Calday? Is that how you say it? The Chill Day? Is it Chill Chill Day? Chill Day? I think it's the chill day. The chill day. It felt very much like Star Wars and how help can always come from unexpected places. And there was a a calmness to these creatures that felt very force ish. 
It's a common archetype we see in Star Wars, the seemingly unthreatening and wise alien or alien species that lends support, much like the space whales and rebels. Yes. Uh, there's a prehistoric wisdom to them, if that makes any sense. And, and the way they were introduced as the eyes and ears of the platform was a bit heavy handed when it comes to what it means for Kaz and his connection. But I also got the sense that this was a metaphor for something bigger, something pertaining to their wisdom as a species. And I hope we learn more about this species and maybe we'll learn about some connection they might have to the force. I'm not saying they need to be, you know, Jedi by any means, no. but we already know that. Look, look what Filoni. Let me let me rephrase this. Filoni has an affinity towards animals and the spirituality that comes with that it's oh, very yeah. it's very earthy it's very it's very indigenous like yes and I mean, you could see it throughout all of rebels and all of clone wars yeah he's always used those elements so if we're using that as as our base of reasoning it would be really cool to see these creatures be something even more important than they are initially introduced as and agree or disagree. No, I totally agree because like, and the fact that they were able to show how, what is it that makes just one element of these creatures that make them really powerful. The the ability to actually, yeah, they're, they're really slow, but in a lot of ways that's an advantage mm -hmm. because that, that method of them being super slow and being very still. I'm, my mother always said I was super slow. <laughs> Does that, does that make me? Uh, I don't think that. I don't think that's what she meant. Oh, okay. But, like, but like, I think that was actually really cool. It's very zen-like. It, it it fits the force, especially yes. with like Luke Skywalker being very zen, and you know, the ability to actually slow down their life and control their life force to the point that they could fake their own death. That was cool. Okay, so you understood my point then. You kind of got that same vibe then, yeah, right? Yeah, it was very zen-like, and I was like going, no, this made sense. And yeah, it's a concept that's very tough to explain to, say, like a, a person younger, because I had to do that with my niece and nephew, where mm -hmm. they were like, going, oh, they're just they're just dumb because they're so slow. They can't do anything. I looked at them and said, just because they're slow doesn't make them not as powerful as anybody else. Yeah, I'm I really love Filoni obviously, but I love his um his leanings into using nature. Nature, yeah. Yeah. Because like the thing the whole thing was is like I think that Filoni wants to, Filoni for all his storytelling always wants to, to show people that the force is so special that it connects Everything. Yeah, it's not exclusive to it's one group of individuals. To one individual. It's it everything. is. It is life. It is life. Yeah, that's what. That's why I told people my favorite part of Rebels: the wolves, the wolves that can tra traverse Definitely. the Force ether. Yeah, holy crap, that is freaking cool. Yeah, the whales that can actually jump hyperspace. It's cool. I, that is awesome. Yeah, I'm I mean, hoping that still I, gives me goosebumps when they jumped into hyperspace. Because it's a living entity. Yeah. So I'm hoping they do, in fact, use these creatures more than what's the than what was obviously stated. Because also the other thing, too, is like the one thing that the one mystery that we've all been wondering is why is the First Order wanting this platform? There has to be another thing. Now, we've all been saying, well, maybe it's a strategic location. Yeah, I think that's the obvious and stuff right? like that. Yeah. But then when you throw Kylo Ren into it. And all the force stuff, 
all the all the force storytelling the fact that he's going around trying to remember a long time ago we we talked about his origin about going around and trying to collect relics of the force nothing is known what's underneath the platform that's true so that's true what's there to say that basically there's more motive for the first order than just it's a strategic it's a, a strategic point there has Agreed. to be something that Kylo Ren is interested in it. Yeah. Interesting thought, Dave. I can't disagree with that at all. All right. So speaking of First Order, Commander Pyre. He was mentioned in the episode titled Triple Dark, but this is his official first appearance. I'm expecting big things from our too. new First Order baddies. Do you have expectations, Dave? I do. I mean, I had expectations when they sh- first showed that Red Baron type character. No, so now we have the Golden Trooper and we have the Red Baron-esque pilot. And I was I, I was actually worried because I, I came in wondering if you knew, is Pyre supposed to be the Red Baron? No, no, Pyre's different, yeah. Yeah, and then you tell me, no, Pyre's different. And think about that, dude, how the First Order, so you have Phasma who's in this brilliant chromatic silver armor you have pyre <laughs> in a gold awesome. armor you have the red baron who's in obviously the red armor i'll tell you what what do all these symbols what do they mean i, I and that's a great way to look at it what symbolically what does it mean and, and either way it could be simple simply in a way for disney and lucasfilm to turn to turn a profit on this series because i'll tell you what the moment they release a resistance set of figures and pyre the red baron and phasma are all included i'm buying it and and dude i'm sorry when they did the when they showed phasma and pyre talking and everything they made phasma really sinister too because like what did she want to do with the kids she wanted to put them into the stormtrooper pro, uh, protocol yeah i that, that's that sounds terrifying. And then it, it made me remember, look what happened to Finn. His entire personality was taken away from him. And this is what we needed for the First Order and Phasma. This is something we have been harping on since her first appearance in, in The Force Awakens. You're supposed to be a badass. You look like a badass. And yet you do nothing. So we need, in order to justify her point in this show... She's got to do something to sinister. just she's got to do something sinister, sinister. She's got to justify her importance and why they keep going back to her. Let's see some of those elements we saw in the comic books and and her own personal novel. There was so much savagery behind her origin story. Let's get to that. Let's see those moments in in Star Wars Resistance. And, and again, uh, when I was talking about it, uh, because I like watching I like watching Star Wars stuff with my nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. As I explained to my nephew, what's more, what's more scary? Because he was telling me, well, Phasma's lame because she doesn't, she, she only lasted so long and she didn't do anything. I said, exactly. Phasma, we have to make her scarier than just basically she's going to bust down the door and try to kill you. Right. What, and I looked at it and says, what's more terrifying, getting killed or having your entire will taken away from you and being turned into a mindless unit i will raise you one dave what's more terrifying what you just said or losing the will to live (laughs) (laughs) hey they they proved you can lose the will to live (laughs) so terrible all right so i like this episode this was definitely the strongest of the last six episodes uh agendas intentions personalities all of it's starting to come forward 
I had mentioned that I like 99.90% of the episode and that obviously that 0.1% that I disliked was Kaz. Okay. It's very frustrating. And I'm not, I, I'm, I, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to end the show negatively, but I'm going to. I, it's very frustrating to have a lead that is a complete fucking fool. There is no other word for it. He's a fucking fool. <laughs> he breaks Tam's tool because he doesn't know the difference between his left from his right. <laughs> he falls on his back and on top of BB-8. He falls randomly while he's running. He just doesn't do anything. And what he does is never right. Yes, it is fucking stupid. I, I really wish the writers will just pull back on that completely. There's no reason to have a buffoon. You can have the lighthearted feel of the cartoon. But why do you continue to use your lead as a fucking idiot? But the thing is, this episode, I, I will tell you this. For me, it feels like they pulled it back a little because in the very beginning, we don't get his antics of, oh, look at me. Whoa, <laughs> screaming and the falling. Oh, my God. David, what do you? He fell. On BB-8, he should have broken his spine the, the, by the look of how his body curved around BB-8's form. It wasn't BB-8 bad. doesn't even like him. Did you see BB-8 push him off of him and yes. then look at him like, dude, you're a fucking idiot? <laughs> yes, I, I, I saw that, but it wasn't David, over-exaggerating. I don't want to be negative, but for fuck's sake, can we improve this character? <laughs> Let's forget his stupidity for, for a second and look at his story, okay? And that's what I said. Uh, that's what I mean is this well, episode Hold on, me, Dave. For a second, let's look at his story. Let's forget the buffoonery for a moment and just look at his story, okay? Pause for a second. Okay, we're done. He has no fucking story. <laughs> this episode was good, yes, yeah. but not because of his story. He's not our, because of him, no. He's our eyes into the story that is unfolding around us, but nothing he does, does is really of importance. Niku was the hero of this episode. He's the one who knew the indigenous folk that yes. dwelled below the platform. He explained their ability to slow their bodies down. And he was able to actually talk to them yeah. while and, Kaz wasn't. Yeah. And then at the end, when Elo answered instead of Poe and told Kaz he heard good things, I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> what good things, bro? <laughs> Poe's po in the background going, he did this. He did this. Okay, he didn't do that, but we're going to say he does this. I think Poe is just writing positive reports because he doesn't want to be <laughs> assassinated. What I mean. That's what I mean. It's like he doesn't want to be put up for a court martial. What the hell? What the hell is this, Poe? What he he was hanging off of the balcony. What, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, Dave. Um, no more negativity for me. Those are kind of my final thoughts. Why don't you give me your final thoughts before we close out today's show? My final thoughts on this episode, I actually really liked this episode. This actually gave me hope for this for the season. Agreed. Because this now this gets me more intrigued. I want to find out more. And this episode, the bonuses to this episode for me is there was less Kaz over the top antics, in my opinion. In my opinion, they they uh Saul pulled back on it. And I think that's because Saul understands that he has to tell a Star Wars story and slapstick humor while it works in some moments in Star Wars. Yes, we have our slapstick moments with C-3PO and R2-D2. Wonderful. But it's all well-timed. It's not going to blast you in the face like a Bukaki party. Oh, oh. <laughs> but like, oh. it's going to take its, it's there's going to be moments for it. And I think they, they chose the right moments and Saul made the choice of pulling back a little on the humor instead focusing on the story and giving some motivations 
for the First Order, for the Resistance, and world-building. World-building was the big thing for me in this episode. So I I would give this episode probably the highest marks of the season, which is a B-plus for me. Um, I don't disagree. It is the best episode of the season, for sure. And it gets that plus because, in my opinion, one the reason why it gets a plus does tie to Kaz. Because, oh, no! Because, for me... It gave just that point nine 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 look into maybe this is his motivation. He just wants to do the right thing. And the generation that he is doesn't understand what the right thing is right now. <laughs> which which is, you know, I hate sounding like maybe I'm, a, I'm an old man and saying like, the younger generation doesn't understand anything nowadays. That's the key component that basically they're trying to tie to is show that Kaz is like that millennial generation that what? we all see that has no motivation. Oh, come on. It's so now you're, now you're yeah. blasting the millennials. I know that that makes me sound like an old man, but it actually makes sense that basically, okay, we want to give a generation a motivation. That's that's what they that's what people see them as. They All see right. them as Kaz. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. You're you're talking about perception. Yeah, perception. Not actuality. Not actuality, uh, just okay. perception. Okay, I can see that then. That's a decent line of thought. For sure. Dave, I don't disagree with your final thoughts. I I do feel like this episode was definitely the strongest of the six. But I did state last week that they should cut the background noise. Meaning, slow things down a bit. I, I know we were just talking about how the show's finally building, but you can keep the, the progression going. But cut back on some of the Nikus, even though he was great this week, and Doza's and the Tams, and allow the show to find Kaz's voice. Kaz needs to find his own voice. Once that happens, this show will be a success. But Kaz has to find his voice. Yes. And he can only do that if you cut the background noise for a bit and focus on him and allow the show to progress around him. Don't stop the world building. The world building is great, but Kaz needs to quit being window dressing. He needs to quit being the comedic relief. He needs to quit uh, being just simply our eyes into the world like this week. And he needs to be the centralized figure that everything else progresses around. And he needs to have an actual story because he doesn't have a definitive story. We can Not speculate. Yet. We, can, we speculate can speculate and yeah. say, well, I saw what they were doing here. I can see what they're doing there. But there is no stated story. If the writers of this series were writing an essay, what's the first rule to writing an essay? You have to st state your thesis, right? Yeah. They haven't even stated the thesis yet. No. They haven't even told us what Kaz is about. They have to do that. Once they do that, once they make that bridge, then we'll have a show that's worthy to be called Star Wars. Yes. All right. So that concludes this week's discussion on Star Wars Resistance. I want to thank you, David. And you. also all the listeners out there. And if you miss any part of this broadcast, past or present, please find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and now Spotify. That's right, Dave. We're now on Spotify as well. We're everywhere everywhere there's no excuse not to listen to us all right and good night may the force be with us hello this is stormtrooper one and if you've missed any portion of the show you can always head over to from the back to tank.com and uh listen
listen to the show at your leisure. Um, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search, BACTA, and add us to your favorites. Thank you. And uh, listen responsibly. And may the force be with you. And long live. Thank you for listening to From the Back to Take. And From the Back to Take is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas. Hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotake.com. You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Take. As well as Facebook, facebook.com slash from the back to take. <laughs>